you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Second and goal, in zone, and it is caught. It's Henry with the touchdown. Time for Simeon. Now they're after him. And it's Bosa who brings him down from behind. Simeon in zone, and it's caught for the touchdown by Benny Fowler. And puts it on the ground in a hurry, and it is recovered by the Broncos. My goodness, Taylor with the recovery. Simeon heaves it, and it is knocked down. And the game is over. And the Chargers have held on this time for a much-needed victory. What a victory for the San Diego Super Chargers on Thursday Night Football. I'm Greg Rosenthal alongside Chris Wesseling. We've had some stinkers on Thursday nights, but not this one. This one was intriguing to me. Your takeaways, Wes. Well, first of all, the La Raville Magnifico, that you are a grizzled old Patriots fan who doesn't get so wound up about them anymore. (laughs) You are, first and foremost this year, a Chargers fan. They put a bounce in your step, (laughs) and you were rooting for them every second of this game. Yeah, I was. Which was a dominant performance. There it is. (laughs) A dominant performance that should have never been close, but Mike McCoy and Ken Wisenhunt continue this mind-numbing insistence on taking the air out of the ball and sitting on their leads. It's crazy, and I should have mentioned, of course, this is our Week 6 preview show, so after we honk about this game for a few minutes, we're going to send it over to Dan Hansis, Mark Sessler, and we'll uh, preview all the Week six, th- 6 games. But you're right, I'm actually I'm really glad all of America got to watch this game because I've been I've been dialed in on the Chargers this year. I am really enjoying them. I think they're a really good team, and every week I feel like they're kind of proving me right. 
and they're fun to watch. And the end of these games have just been crazy, and each one has been different. People say they could be 6-0. and They should be 4-2. and Let's just be realistic. There's really two games that were outrageous how they blew it. But they're a fun team. There's a lot of good players on this team. Rivers is playing really well. Uh, the, the defense, the rookie class, Hunter Henry, Tyrell Williams didn't have a big game tonight, but he's playing well. And you also saw the insanity, and I'm I'm at a step removed. I'm not a real longtime Chargers fan, so I can deal with all the crazy endings, but it's it's insane how it happens week after week, and everyone from this game will remember the image of Mike McCoy with his head in his hands with 15 seconds left. They were leading by eight points at the time, and the Broncos had the ball at the 50, and I know the situation that got to that point was crazy, but you don't want to see your head coach with his head in his hands leading by eight with 15 seconds to go. Ian Rappaport reported this afternoon, Thursday afternoon, basically that Mike McCoy was in a win or else mandate. Yep. That he could have been fired as soon as Friday if the Chargers blew another close game or if they lost an ugly blowout fashion. So that was why we saw that kind of pressure on Mike McCoy. He showed it. He showed it all night. It was very emotional. And that was especially, like, you could see the weight of this season on him right there. He might look back. Later in the season, and view Russell Okung's holding penalty on mm. C.J. Anderson's touchdown run as what saved his job because that was the key moment in the game. C.J. Anderson made a brilliant cut to get into the end zone for a 20-yard touchdown that would have made it 21-17 to with plenty of time left, with still four and a half minutes left. And Russell Okung got called for the penalty on that play. Two plays, the next two plays, Jatavis Brown, who I know you've been talking up as a, as a good-looking rookie, sacks Trevor Simeon to make it second and 30. Then he forces a fumble on Demarius Thomas. Crazy. And that's the game. I mean, it, the Broncos made it a little interesting, but that was the game, I thought. It, it was, and it shouldn't have been so interesting. they got to let Phillip Rivers throw the ball. This is That was the reason why they were leading the game in the first place. They have one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Trust him to throw the ball on first down. They tried to sit on it in the fourth quarter, but that doesn't take away the fact that they dominated the first half, really the first three quarters, that their defense is showing a lot. They have a good front seven. The, the back end is, is banged up, and Trevor Simeon was not the type of guy that could take advantage of that, and that's a concern for Denver long term. And the offense did what they did a couple years ago. Two drives to start this game, totaling 17 minutes, 29 plays. They took the air out of the ball, put 10 points on the board quickly. Phillip Rivers just making good decisions, pinpoint throws, and that's the Chargers at their best. And that's why I don't think they're out of it. I know they're 2-4, and four, but to me, you know, are they a worse team than the Broncos right now? To me, they're similar. They're in the same boat. I don't think they're out of it all. And Joey Bosa is a game changer. He could be – it's early yet, but he could be a franchise defensive player. Mm. He, I think he's that good. They, they look promising. And then on the other side, Denver, their offense has been broken for two straight games. They had two first downs at halftime by late in the third quarter, three first downs, and they had gone 15 minutes without one. Yeah, I think what – You'll want to watch for a lot of these first-time quarterbacks that are playing well is, okay, what happens when the defenses start adjusting to them? And I think we'll see that with Simeon somewhat. You know, I know he missed a week. The running game for Denver has not. The offensive line's the major issue here. Yeah, the running game has not played well for a while. They turned Vic Beasley into the Defensive Player of the Week and Joey Bosa into the Defensive Rookie of the Year. And maybe the Raiders can keep winning games at the very end, but I believe that, 
you learn teams over 60 minutes. And the, the Chargers have outscored teams by 18 points this year. That's actually a bigger scoring differential than the Raiders, who are plus five. The Chargers are plus 57 in the first half. That's a that's a stat you would expect to see out of a 5-1 and one or a 6-0 oh team. Yeah, and I think that's really the bigger clue to what their roster is, that they're talented enough to be, have a 10-point lead on average at halftime. It's crazy. But the coaching is killing them in the second half. Yeah, the coaching the coaching's a problem. I mean, that was a bad look. The rookie class, I mean, we've gone through and kind of mentioned it. Hunter Henry at tight end has, has emerged certainly as their best tight end and definitely a big uh, weapon in the passing game. It makes this division fun. I, I'm looking forward to watching the Chargers moving forward. I, I think the Broncos, you know, most weeks their defense is going to keep them in or have them winning games, so it's not like – they're dying here, but they're four and two, and it's gonna be fun in the AFC West. Yes, it is. <laughs> All right, let's send it over to uh, Dan and let's preview the Week Six games. Do it. The Around the NFL podcast has better hair than Odell Beckham Jr. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes: Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. I don't know what to do after Wes says that. What what comes next? I don't know either. Sometimes you just and then you got to think of something to say. It's, it's too much work. Four four years in, we still haven't cracked this nut. Has he been saying "Hey, Dan" the whole time? Yeah, since like the first episode. Mm. I got a I got a tweet from some jabron the other day that's like, "Hey, would you mind uh, giving a time marker?" Uh, when you start talking about football, that way I could fast forward. And, and I wrote back to him, bro, are you serious? And then he wrote back something like, no offense, man, but, you know, Simmons does it, so you should do it too. And I said, stick it up your ace. It sounds like that was that sent from, yeah. directly from Greg. <laughs> 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 that is Greg, Greg's one of the things he hates the most. That's that. This you were not in your head during it. Non-football related. This banter. is such a tired, tired <laughs> bit. Plus, it, you know me well enough, Mark, to know I would never listen to our podcast. All right, <laughs> counterpoint by Greg Rosenthal. That was a that was a joke. Also, note to Jabron: we're not trying to be Bill Simmons. Mm. We're ourselves. We're us. We are the Around the NFL podcast, sponsored by Mister Flames Economics Class in the Hague, comma the Netherlands. And someone else, a non-jabron on Twitter, pointed out to me that in a reputable um, publication, might have been the New York Times even, uh, the Hague, comma, the Netherlands was used. So people that are sure. out there throwing, taking the flamethrower out at me saying, no, no, it's the Hague, comma, Netherlands. I'm banging out the 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 second time. By the way, Flame on his own economics high school class website calls it the Hague, the Netherlands. There you go. So deal with that reality. What you heard at the top of the show, of course, was the beginning of week six, the Thursday night affair uh, between the Denver Broncos and San Diego Chargers. The scientists took you through that, but we still have a lot of games to get through. Two teams on by this week. Uh, those teams are, Greg. Why you got to put me on the spot? I think it's the Buccaneers and the Vikings. That's got correct. It. So the Vikings will be the team of around the NFL, the Vikings. Certainly hope that works out, but they are the team of ATL, and uh, they are five and zero, and they will be five and zero for another week. Um, so that leaves us with thirty teams, fifteen games, one game played Thursday, 
14 to talk about. Nailed it. You want to start talking about games? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's this do is it. This where the time marker yeah, is. Yeah, bookmark for podcast. Yeah, hey, Jabron Bone. 310. This is where you start. <laughs> Get off my timeline. Come back to us, Jabron. He definitely, he definitely messaged the wrong. Uh, it was the wrong party to even suggest a tweak to the podcast. Too. Let's start in Orchard Park. Oh, much to the chagrin of uh, young-ish Mark Sessler. Uh, the Buffalo Bills are flying high, a three-game winning streak, and with the schedule ahead looking juicy, all of a sudden the Bills are alive and well in the AFC playoff picture. This week they have what looks on paper to be a gimme. Uh, against the San Francisco 49ers. However, um, Greg Rosenthal, there is a little nugget in this game that makes it uh, more compelling. Maybe it doesn't make the Niners more competitive, but more compelling, Colin Kaepernick will start for San Francisco. I'm just crazy enough to request this as the game I'm covering on Sunday. You're going to lock it up? Uh, no, I'm not going to oh. lock it up. But I, uh, I want to watch it. I'm intrigued. You know, Colin Kaepernick, he started a Super Bowl. He was a very exciting player to watch. I think Chip Kelly and his offense has been able to get receivers open the last few weeks. And if he had a quarterback that could find those receivers, this quarter, this team could get some yardage. It's going to be tough, though, this week. They're playing one of the best defensive front sevens in the league, even though they're not healthy and they're not getting Marcel Darius back this week. The return of Kyle Williams to peak form. Mm. Not a guy people talk about a lot, but one of the great bills of the last 15 years is playing fantastic. Adolphus Washington next to him. This defense is playing too well. Tough to see the 49ers coming out of here being too competitive. When it comes to Greg Rosenthal and Colin Kaepernick, the phrase, absence makes the heart grow fonder, applies because you used to drill him yeah. for throwing balls into the stands, for getting concussing bystanders on the sidelines, for being one of the worst passers in the modern NFL, and now you're hoping he can reignite this passing offense. I'm intrigued in an offense without Jim Tom Sula and Jeep Chris. We talked about it, but I'm intrigued to see him in a new offense. I think it's a fair point that we've, on the other hand, just grown utterly exhausted by the tricks and treats of Blaine Gabbert that it's time to get Colin Kaepernick in there. Why not see? If you're the Niners, what do you do at this point other than continue to look at different quarterbacks, maybe even the rookie quarterback, if neither one of these guys wash out? Contract. Christian Ponder might might get a shot at at some point. That bores me. I I don't assume that the Bills are going to just run roughshod over them because they don't really have a passing game. And if you don't have a passing game, you can't just assume you're going to win any given week. You know, I mean, they're they're one of the worst passing teams in the NFL. They're one of the better running teams. I mean, they have the best running quarterback or one of the best. And LaShawn McCoy, who wouldn't surprise me if LaShawn McCoy ends up leading the league in rushing. Where that ends, He's ends back, up, huh? It ends up being He's him back. versus Ezekiel Elliott. That he trade is. looks perfect for them now after what the way he played last week. And if you look at the way that Ezekiel Elliott blasted San Francisco's defense a couple weeks ago, this could be a good matchup for Here McCoy. Is LaSha- and and uh uh, Kiko Alonso doing well uh, down at Miami, yeah. too. So it's working out for everyone. LaShawn McCoy's last three games, 54 carries, um, averaging 6.1 yards per tote, averaging 110 yards per game and uh, almost 130 yards from scrimmage with three touchdowns. So all of a sudden, he's back to being the old LaShawn McCoy, which we frankly have never seen in Buffalo. So you put him into the picture at peak form, and all of a sudden the Buffalo Bills look a lot more dangerous. That's who they thought they were getting. I've already changed the Bills record to 4-2 and two on the research packet. <laughs> Smart. This game's a gimme, and we all owe Rex an apology, the way he's coached the last three weeks. The fact that he has gotten Lorenzo Alexander 
and Zach Brown to be members yep. of the best linebacking core in football. What he's done to Zach Brown's career after washing out in Tennessee, he's he's the best inside linebacker in football this year. He he's doing a, a Luke Keekley impression. I yes. that's kind of what I've been watching. I don't then. believe I should have to apologize. I believe I said, can't you see Rex taking this beat up team? You don't defense? have to apologize. Mark and I do. I actually I don't need to apologize because a lot of what <laughs> I felt annoyed by about Rex was actually off the field that I found him to be an utter buffoon. Well, you've when had a lot of problems with him on the field too. I, I do, but you know what? Now I'll cry. Also credit him. When he does what he's done over the last couple of weeks, I don't need to backspin and tell you I love all the Rexisms right. at the mic. I don't. Backspin. And they're not—they're not doing anything too fancy. They're not—you're not seeing that Rex crazy defense. They're getting pressure with their front guys. He Maybe every get, team should fire their offensive coordinator. He couldn't get pressure with Jim Schwartz's guys last year, but now he's got his own guys. Uh, let's move on and look at a. Oh, by the way, Lashawn McCoy revenge game. Didn't even think of that. Just had to jam that in. Lashawn McCoy <laughs> taking revenge on Chip Kelly. He said this week he's cool with Chip Kelly. Okay. He's also still. Everyone, you know, LaShawn McCoy is still not a likable dude, despite him oh, returning hey, to prominence. Fair. Uh, not an easy guy to root for. Let's move on to LaShawn McCoy's old team, a nice NFC matchup here between the Philadelphia Eagles and Washington Redskins. The Redskins were uh, left for dead not so long ago. Now 3-2. and two. The Eagles, of course, 3-1. and one. Uh, Carson Wentz came down to earth a little bit um, last week. Uh, Mark Sessler, uh, what did you see in the first maybe chink in the armor for Carson Wentz? Did he play poorly in your mind last I week? I didn't see a chink in the armor. I think a lot of people watching Red Zone or watching highlights saw that last-minute interception. But Carson Wentz played a nearly perfect game up to that point. And that's not all. This is This is not just a quarterback and everyone else around him. If you want to talk about our continual discussion around coordinator of the year. Jim Schwartz needs to be in that conversation because Detroit came out hot on offense, put up three touchdowns early, and then Schwartz at halftime, and we've seen him do this in other games, adjusted the defense very well at half and shut them down in the second half for the most part. And this is a bad matchup for the Redskins in my book. Outside of you know the air game in Washington and Jamison Crowder looks like a future star, I think that this is a good matchup for Philly's defense to shut it down, give good ball possession to Wentz in the offense, and they're going to walk away with this one. I mean, they win that game if Ryan Matthews doesn't fumble the ball. Yeah. I heard Schwartz, Schwartz got some grief in the Philly papers, and it's like that game. That game's over if Ryan Matthews doesn't fumble the ball in the fourth quarter. This is where we're going to really start to learn now about Carson Wentz if he if he is truly now already a you know upper echelon quarterback this early into his career. Their next three opponents, uh, Philadelphia, combined twelve and three. So you got a tough game against. This is an easy matchup to me. Like easy on the road? I, I think defensively, yeah. I think they're a bottom 10 defense for sure. It's not a good matchup for the well, They don't present anything that, that gets you scared at all. What What is there about this? I think the Redskins have a good offensive coach and some pretty good skill position talent, and otherwise there's not a lot to like. I think Jay Gruden coaches up Kirk Cousins pretty well. That Kirk Cousins is playing terrible, and they're still producing because the offense is good. Well, the Eagles have an issue. To, the, to date, they've had a dominant offensive line and one of the best right tackles in football, Lane Johnson. He's gone, and into his place comes Big V, Vitae, the guy who's <laughs> never played before, and they might have to keep guys in to help him chip block. It's not going to be the same offensive line. That could be a major issue. Jason Peters kind of struggling too. I mean, that's he's a guy with a great reputation, a great career, probably been the weak spot of that offensive line. So then if you have, if you have two question marks at tackle, well, Wentz, Problem. at least, Wentz has been pretty good at, at seeing 
pressure and escaping from it to some degree. He's taking a lot of big hits, too. Um, uh, before, Greg, you cut me off. Yes, the Redskins shouldn't even show up to this game, according to Greg. But after this game, uh, Week 7 versus Vikings, Week 8 at Cowboys, so 9-1 and one those next two weeks. Well, so important game here uh, for Philadelphia to keep the momentum because it gets tougher. One final note, with Jordan Reed dealing with another concussion. doesn't. We don't know, oh, but yeah. it doesn't sound like he's going to play. That's, that a is a, that's a huge loss. That is Kirk Cousins' security blanket right there. He, he's... Maybe the key to that whole passing attack, Jordan Reed, they're they're not going to be the same. And uh, I like what they did using Carson Wentz on some design runs last yeah. week, maybe mixing up that run game. That's a good running game. It's better without Ryan Matthews, and that's why I'm going to make it my lock of the week. <laughs> lock it up. You're locking it up? I'm locking it up. You locked it up. Good for you, Greg. I almost forgot to lock it up. Yeah, Locked I was it about up. to move on. Your loathing of the Redskins knows no bounds. <laughs> if you, I think the Eagles are a better team. If you're Come watching on. Uh, on YouTube, you don't fancy you? little graphic behind the glass. I like that. An actual uh, vault. Stepping it up. Stepping it's funny how many things get out of that vault, though, with these locks. <laughs> are we locking it when we're done with it, or are we accidentally leaving the door ajar when we leave the studio? Let's work on that. Just has that spinny wheel on the door, just wide open. Spinning wheel is that a technical term? No. <laughs> Let's move on. All right. The Cleveland Browns are the only team left in the NFL without a win. 0-5. Now they travel to Nashville to face the Titans, who uh, got a win uh, last week. Marcus Mariota did some things, had four touchdowns. DeMarco Murray continues his resurgence. Looks like one of the best running backs in football right now. Uh, but Mark Sessler, you got Cody Kessler back under center. We hope he makes it through all four quarters. Is this the week? Uh, your dry foods stretch ends. Uh, raw food stretch. Oh, and it, it, I don't think dry. it is the week. It's dry foods. I don't <laughs> think it is like the week. Cereal and kibble. It is yeah. dry, right? Uh, no, I mean, it's 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 largely fruit-based, and it's, it's it's not dry, actually, no. What are you eating? Fruit's pretty what wet. What have you eaten today? Fruits, Here vegetables, uh, two, two large juices I had today so far. That's Went to the eating. huddle, and the salad bar was an epic disaster visually, so I couldn't do it. But into this game. The huddles are commissary. Yes. People, um, people talk about, oh, this is the game Cleveland can win on their schedule because it gets very rough from here on out. I don't think it's a good matchup for them at all. Joe, Joe Thomas is going to play, but he's, been, he's not practiced all week because of a knee injury. Your left guard, Joel Batonio, who is probably the best offensive lineman you have outside of Joe Thomas, is out. Cam Irvin is back, and he's a total wild card. And we saw what Tennessee did to Miami's offensive line last week. It was one guy after the next destroying Ryan Tannehill. I don't like this matchup for the Cleveland Browns. By the way, even when Batonio was in there, one quarterback after the next in Cleveland has been getting hit hard. And so it's not a good it's not a good matchup at all, and I think they can run on Cleveland as well. I almost throw out the Titans' victory of the Dolphins last week because Miami is a hot garbage mess right now. They are not even real, a real NFL team in my mind. The offensive line was a joke that they sent Billy Turner out to play left tackle and then cut him a day later. The Dolphins are a mess. Ladies and gentlemen, Adam Gase. The Titans played well. This was the team we thought we were going to see in the preseason. The running attack was unbelievable. The offensive line has been fantastic this year. Yeah. And their defense, Brian Arakbo, Derek Morgan, and Jarrell Casey are stars. But they don't have much beyond that. Enough, I guess. But that might enough, be enough to take care of Cleveland. Because, I mean, I think, listen, it's it's good that they have Kessler back. And, you know, he's 
I don't know what his long-term future is, but Kessler, as we've talked about, has been manageable at quarterback. Yeah. But I just I don't think this is a good matchup. LeBeau's going to throw some stuff at him. I mean, I think yeah. Dick LeBeau being there a little longer now and being in charge, they're starting to get real creative with what they're doing. Arakbo, as you, as you mentioned, is playing well. And I don't know, Wes. I mean, I know they were playing the, the Dolphins, but they, they have a great running game. They have one of the best three or four running backs in the league right now with DeMarco Murray. They have an offensive line. They have a pretty good front seven and okay they still got a chance to win the AFC South I'm kind of coming along to thinking like what team in the AFC South has more positive things about them than the Titans whoa not many none of them none of them yeah if Mariota plays better they got a real chance I don't think they're gonna win 10 games but they got a real chance to win eight eight or nine back on the Mike Malarkey train get don't get and Mariota I'm not play better he did play better, and he's now only the second quarterback in NFL history with four four touchdown games in his first seventeen starts. Well, and he had some flash. He's running the ball. I mean, they, they he, need to run him more. They he knew when to run. He knew when to slide. They had some called runs. He he was a big factor in the running game. Use it. I think well, you see eight plus catches for Delaney Walker in this game. Cleveland's been one of the worst defenses in the league at dealing with tight ends, and that's not just Rob Gronkowski. Um. Tennessee will probably score some points in this game. The Browns, the only team in the league uh, to give up at least 25 points in all four games or five games on their schedule so mm. far. Uh, moving on. You called them games. <laughs> Interconference showdown between the Baltimore Ravens and New York Giants. A rematch of Super Bowl number, Wes? It was the year 2000. All right. Where's the caller? Uh... Mark? I will say Super Bowl twenty. Super Bowl 30. Greg? Oh, no, that's correct. Mark Super got it. 30. Super Bowl 30. Who's the tall, redheaded comedian with his own talk show? I, I don't know why. Carrot Top. No, no, no. You mean Conan O'Brien? Yeah. The, we need the Conan O'Brien drop. <laughs> the year Icon? 2000. I don't know why I couldn't think of his name. It was The a nameless, right. on the edge, Conan O'Brien, <laughs> Kathy, the unknown. Kathy Griffin. <laughs> no, no? Not tall. Not Kathy Griffin. Uh, or a comedian. Uh, Andy Dalton. All right. So <laughs> the Ravens are. Ron Eddie. Howard. To New York, and this is a, a tale of two teams that are uh, struggling right now because the Ravens are now three and two after starting the season with uh, uh, three wins in a row, and then you got the Giants, who look great. It looked like their defense, all the money they put into it, was um, was paying off in their two and zero start, and then you had the three uh, wide receivers with Eli Manning, but everything has kind of gone to hell uh, for the Giants in the last three weeks—a three-game losing streak. Uh, so now the Giants are in a position where they got they got to win this game at home against Baltimore, and uh, here's a stat before I throw it to you, Greg. And this really speaks to the – I saw a lot of uh, uh, crap this week, uh, people trying to figure out what's wrong with the Giants' offense, and there there was some talk about is Eli getting old. It's like Eli is 34, 35 years old. I trust that he has a couple of good years left in him still, so I don't think that has anything to do with it. But this stat was interesting to me. Uh, this is from Tom Rock of Newsday. Longest Giant reception in the past two weeks with these – Talented wide receiver, 16 yards. Hmm. they got to figure something out, Greg, how to move the ball downfield. And that's their offense, though. They're trying to play hurry-up. They're trying to play dink-and-dunk hurry-up. They're the second-fastest team in the league in terms of pace uh, behind the 49ers, and they're not going on long drives. They're not pushing the ball. And why is it crazy to think that Eli Manning would start declining a little bit? I mean – because not every quarterback. No evidence. I don't know because there's well the last three weeks he hasn't played well. He's been very frenetic. Like he's not comfortable. Like he's not like he's not confident in either the protection or the receivers or he's not on the same page. He's not comfortable. I just think it's a weird thing to jump to because they're in a three week. I agree with that. 
I mean, I'm saying I would Says like the to guy see who it. created the narrative that Tom Brady is in a decline. Well, Tom Brady's 39. <laughs> One and guy's 39 and one guy's 39. One guy's 39 35. and playing better as well as he ever has for the past couple well, we'll of years. Well, we'll see. Well, that was playing. also before the season. Wait, he, he, he's not basing that off of last week. They're not, play, they're not playing confidently. They're not attacking the Packers when they're missing two cornerbacks. You know what I mean? They're just – it's like they're hoping to, to win with a bunch of singles and that other team won't make mistakes, and they're the ones making mistakes. Well, isn't it a lot easier to play defense against them when they have no running game whatsoever? Yeah, yeah. they're very one-dimensional. It's like they use three, four wide receiver sets on like 94% of their plays, which I that that's good with your hurry-up and stuff, but, but I mean, teams right. are going to not take you seriously. They, he hasn't been on the same page with Sterling Shepard. Uh, sometimes Victor Cruz is on the outside. We'll see. He didn't really, you know, he didn't have any targets last week, two targets. What are you making a face about? It was Super Bowl thirty-five. Not thirty. I was surprised it was so low. I think the thirty. Well, that uh, makes sense because Steelers Cowboys. Well, Neil O'Donnell Super Bowl. I think that you know we can we can take this one. offline, but that's I, even <laughs> during the segment I was wondering if I was wrong about that. <laughs> this so. is a tough matchup too for the Giants because I think the the Ravens defense is good and it's getting better every week, and I think the safety combo of Eric Weddle and Ladarius Webb, who used to be a cornerback. Is really good. I mean, they they've got a lot of different things going on with that team. One thing with the Ravens, I I get that they made a switch with their play caller and there were reasons for that. But I saw Flacco miss some throws in that last game too. It's not it's not just the play calling. They march down the field in the opening drive. They don't really score many more points. But I wonder if Flacco. I know he's healthy, but is he fully comfortable at this point in the season coming off of the knee? I, I don't know. I think Flacco's always missed throws. He's he's one of the streakiest quarterbacks in the league. You'll see him make twenty throws in a row. Well, that showed up last a lot. week. But this is this is an offensive line that has major issues. Ronnie Stanley looks like he's returned to practice and has a chance to play. But Marshall Yonda, the best guard of the past half decade, has a shoulder injury and probably won't play this weekend. Maybe the Giants' pass rush finally gets healthy. And no, Steve Smith almost definitely looks like he's going to be out. Let's see some shots to Brashad Perriman when they when you see and Brashad, Mike Wallace you, when you see Perriman. It kind of seems like he's gonna be, he's gonna be good. Well, well Flacco missed both those guys last week. When's the last time the Ravens had an impact receiver of Brashad Perriman's length, six two two twenty? Never. Michael Jackson, Michael Dyson, and yeah, you in have to because uh, the, along with their and inability to draft not, a quarterback for years, they had a terrible job getting wide receivers. So you do have to go back that far. I used to like when um, on prime time when Michael Jackson would get referenced and then. Boomer would throw it to Tom Jackson, who would go, hee hee It's a great bit. It's an enduring bit. That was back when that show was like a legend. It was essential back then. Uh, by the way, to get the Giants, I don't know, hyped up or loosened up, I don't know what it was. Ben McAdoo played the scene in Step Brothers where John C. Riley and Will Ferrell uh, choose to take the shortcut instead of the long way home and up, end up getting beat up by a bunch of children, and then Will Ferrell has to lick the white poop. Uh, on the on the playground grass. If you don't come over here and lick that white dog, I'm gonna plow into your nose with my fist. And I can't for the life of me figure out what the message was to the team if mm. it wasn't just a relaxation thing. I read this Steve. There's Sir. no shortcuts. No, I think <laughs> the end of that story is is uh, right. concerning. If it was like, just to loosen the guys like some up, poop. Yeah. White. Did, poop. did you see Step Brothers? No, you haven't, right? I haven't. No. I if, love Step Brothers. Yeah. If if. Yeah, if you listen to the quotes, the players didn't quite know what to make of it either. Were were they the ones licking the poop? Were they the bullies? Because then at the end of the movie, Will Ferrell beats were up the Were they the, the poop? I don't think they were the white poop. Well, let's revisit this question I asked you a couple weeks ago. Yeah. 
McAdoo, goober or not a goober? He's goobing out a little bit lately. He's a goober. <laughs> He's goobing out. <laughs> right, Very confusing game preview. Yeah. Let's uh, yeah, clip this one off for YouTube. Uh, let's move on and talk about the defending NFC champions in, um, dare I say, a wounded dog game. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Do we, should we do the drop? I thought. No. I think it's been. Don't no. don't know that. Please do the not. drop has been. Peta has sent the letter. It wasn't a formal, you know, cease and desist, but it was. Sid, a let's try to find a new. Do you have the wounded dog drop? I don't know. I'm not I saying we should it play. It. Yeah, yeah. We, Maybe we should work on one that's a little more Chris Wessling feelings friendly. Or, or right. Sid friendly, for that matter. I don't. I would doubt I mean, that she's a huge fan of this. this like she greenlighted it and cut it herself. Well, or, she's just you know she's avoiding issues. Or just one that's humane. Let's look for something. Let's let's loop in Wes on the process. Right. Thank you. It probably will not involve a wounded animal of any type. Anyway, the Panthers are one and four after a dreadful Monday night loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and now they travel to the Superdome to face the Saints, who stink. We know that they're one and three, <laughs> holes all over the place. Uh, and Cam Newton is practicing again. I think he's at a concussion protocol. He is still technically in it as we tape this, but it's looking good. He's coming on out. Would be my prediction. And uh, I'll tell you what. The Panthers are not going one and five here. Uh, Wes, I just can't see it, right? I know they're not the same team as last year. And you got to, it's not about the name, it's about the game. But I just can't see it. I agree with you. And Cam Newton upgraded to full practice. Jonathan Stewart says he's ready to go after missing the last three weeks. The offense is getting the elements back. You'd like to see them get Kelvin Benjamin rolling like Greg Olson has been. But this Panthers team has averaged 36 points per game game the last three times they faced the Saints and have gone over 40 points three of the last four times they've paced, they've gone against the Saints. This should be the highest scoring game of the week, I would have to imagine. Mm. The Saints score nine more points per game at home than they do on the road in the since 2013. So I think this is your shootout game of the week. If you have fantasy players involved, start them all. Start them all. Here's my question. Is this that Panthers team that's done that? Is this that same team? No, you're getting guys two. back. You're getting guys back. I think they can still move the ball. This is what confused me about them because remember after that tough week one loss, in week two they lit up everybody and Calvin Benjamin was going nuts. So I thought they were kind of back to normal. I think they get it. You say it's going to be the shootout of the week. I'll tell you what I think it's going to be. Lock it up because this is going to be my, yeah, baby, lock <laughs> going of the week. Lock it up, spin it up, don't let this one out. What drama, you know, I mean, for the listener, <laughs> trying to grasp what's happening here, good luck to you. you know, the Panthers have what only you, given wait, up. What's so confusing? I don't know. Huh? For some reason, Dan suddenly turned into like a 1980s <laughs> WFAN host or something. <laughs> well, now that we have this new graphic on YouTube with the actual vault, it makes everything a little bit more official, takes things up a notch, and uh, dare I say, I'm more serious about it now because I actually see the vault. Okay. I don't want to let the vault down. I think you've got a good lock of the week, but I, I think people still want to view this Panthers team as, oh yeah, this is a Super Bowl defense playing at that level. They'll come around, but it was it was not until last Sunday or last Monday that they gave up under 20 points. They've been flamed for 48, 22, right. 27, and 21 points. This is not the right. Panthers but, of last year, at least not right now. Flamed, Cam like, missed New Orleans. <laughs> That's true. And they should score a lot of points. But the Saints are a different team at home. Brandon Cooks, Drew Brees, their numbers in terms of the home road splits are just outrageous. If you look at like the football outsiders numbers in terms of how these teams have been this year, Saints are 21st best team in the league. Panthers are 23rd. To me, that is about how they played. Because for as bad as the Saints have been, 
that their four of their five games have come down to the last two minutes. They have a very good offense. At least they have something to go by. And you'd hate to be a Panthers fan or or Ron Rivera and be in the Superdome. Or a Ron Rivera fan. Or a Ron Rivera fan. There's some out there. Four minutes left to go, and this is the shootout, and you're feeling like, gosh, our season could be over in week six because we'll have a couple of you know division losses here and be one and five. Last year's Saints defense – was the worst-ranked defense in the history of pro football outsiders' metrics. Mm-hmm. This year, they're allowing more points and yards per game than last year's historic, historically awful defense. They're bad. <laughs> they're so bad. Um, and they can't. Promising. They don't stick with the running game either. They can't really get Mark Ingram going. They're missing oh. that too. Let's move on to a real scorcher of a game in Chicago. Uh, matchup between the one and three Jacksonville Jaguars and one and four Chicago Bears. Um, seems like. Uh, Chris Wessling, a good spot for Brian Hoyer to put up some more numbers and uh, establish himself as the number one quarterback in Chicago with Jay Cutler getting back. But Jacksonville's defense actually isn't that bad, right? So could be a challenge. It's not terrible, but we're not talking about you're not facing the Seahawks or the Broncos here. You're facing Jacksonville, so maybe they're a little upgraded from last year. But, the, you know, the, a Colts team missing – Several players still scored 27 points or 28 points on on the Jaguars, so I wouldn't say that. And Brian Hoyer, we think Blake Bortles still has a bright future, but Brian Hoyer is the best quarterback in this game. Right now. Uh. I'm sorry, but the way Blake Bortles is playing, Brian Hoyer has 300 yards and two TDs in each of his three starts this year. Jay Cutler did that three times in his last 20 starts. Brian Hoyer is an upgrade. I'm Jay Cutler. Deal with it. He well, just is. That, I mean, that's true. I think also it's, it's sad to think that I think Bortles has potential to be better this year than Brian Hoyer. I'll say that. Out he has potential to be, but he certainly isn't right now. And Blake Bortles has four first quarter TDs in 33 career starts. Hoyer has four in his last seven games. Hoyer is a better quarterback right now than Blake Bortles, who once again has major fundamental issues with his delivery. I think it allows the Bears to – Get going earlier than some people thought on exiting Cutler out of the organization, and you've got a better playing quarterback in there. But it's they should have done this. I, the contract made it hard. They should have done this before, long time ago. They're finally doing it, and Hoyer can put people. People aren't going to be calling for Jay Cutler. That's not the kind of quarterback he is. Well, if anyone and, ever called for and Jay I've, Cutler. It seems weird, but I think Kevin White's injury didn't hurt them. Cause no, it didn't. You get Cameron Meredith out there. He looks pretty good. Good. You suddenly have two physical guys on the outside. You got lucky having injuries get Jordan Howard into the lineup. I kind of think this is a really tough matchup, though. I, I see the Jaguars' defense as improving each and every week. And, yeah, the Colts scored points, but they were dominated as much as any offensive team was dominated all season for three quarters. That game would have been over by that point if the Jaguars' offense could just sustain the ball. I think this defense is getting a little better each week. They're coming off a bye, and they can start winning games on their own against mediocre offenses, and this is one of them. This is your chance because after that, you got to take down the Bears. You've got Oakland and the Titans after that, the Chiefs and the Texans. These are games that if you're the Jaguars and you want to save your season and probably some jobs there too, you got to take some. This The meat of the schedule has got to go your way. And here is a stat for those uh, that are plugged in on Blake Bortles being a garbage time Hall of Famer. The Jaguars are 0-12. 0-12 when Bortles passes for over 290 yards, including 0-2 this season. So any game where he's really lighting it up in his career, they've never won a game. Well, that's been linked to what has been an awful defense that puts them in 
17, 20, 24 point holes right away. And but it's not think this they year. won a couple and, of those right. games. So. I know, I'm just saying, but it's it's like it's not his fault that he's producing when they're down, but you're right. right. It's it's going to be hit pass heavy But statistic. it was his fault, you know, it's been his fault this season cuz his defense yes. hasn't been bad. It's been a it's been average or a little better than average. All right, let's move on, guys, and uh, uh, let me just say yeah. one thing. I know the Bears are bad. But the Jaguars should not be favored over any team in the NFL until they prove that they are that team. The Bears are the better football team in this game. Hmm. All right. I think the Bears are favored. So they, the, the people in the desert agree with you. Ooh, mystery desert folk. <laughs> Moving <laughs> on to the uh, home team of uh, our uh, current hometown, the Los Angeles market. The Rams, 3-2, and two, right in a three-game winning streak. They travel now to Detroit to face the Lions. And, um, you know, Mark, is Todd Gurley ever going to break out this season? Is he going to have that game that we've been waiting? While Ezekiel Elliott now steals all the headlines as this young, uh, dynamic back, there was a time not long ago where Gurley was that guy. What's going on here? Is it all on Todd Gurley? Is it not on not on him at, at all? Is it a share situation? I think What's it's going on? it has a lot to do with the offense that he's in, and, and maybe almost all to do with that. I mean, they are a Case Keenum led team that has tried to fool opponents or goad opponents into thinking that they can be a Kenny Britt led pass offense, and there's just not that kind of star receiver that's going to attract top defensive backs and take defenses away and open up spots for Gurley. People are taking Gurley out of the game. That's still going to be the game plan. Case Keenum, who was their game manager last year, and they sold us this bill of goods about how we trust Case Keenum over, what was it, five starts. He threw one pick. He already has five picks over five starts this year. He's made some bad mistakes. He's lost a fumble, and I see bad decision-making. It's the offensive line. Todd Gurley bears 0% of the blame I agree. for his struggles. He got a few creases last week and looked downright dynamic. He, If he had any line, next week's top 10 article is going to be top 10 trapped players. Mm. Todd Gurley. I like that. Todd Gurley will be number one on the list with Andrew Luck right behind. What's trapped your, in a closet. Trapped by surrounding <laughs> talent that is holding him down. I would love to see Todd Gurley behind Dallas's offensive line. He might be a 2,000-yard back. Uh, good R. Kelly ref. Thanks. Right? And Wes. Sponsor your article next week. Your top ten lists, which are every week they come out, they're excellent. You had, My favorite name of a list was this week. What was it again? Well, they called it Late Bloomers. Uh, I called it. Screw that. What I wanted to name? call it Prodigal Sons or Reborn Misfits. No, Reborn, Reborn Misfits. <laughs> that could be our band I'm going to read that. Reborn Misfits. What was the one they came up with? Late Bloomers. I'm going to read that. It's a little bland, right? Reborn Misfits. It makes me think of like their disfigured animals. Right. I like that. I'll watch that. He, Terrell Pryor, Kristen Michael, Terrence West. We can got Kenny Britt's a surprise name on that list. He's, he's on pace to finally be a Rams receiver that goes over 1,000 yards. He won't. And their, their talent isn't great on offense, but I think it's very telling that this week we're reading articles about Todd Gurley staying late before and after practice working on the passing game because it, it took them three or four weeks to be like, oh, yeah, Todd Gurley's a good player. Maybe we shouldn't only run him in between the guard-center combination. Maybe let's use him as a receiver, where he's awesome, by the way, and they've done that the last couple of weeks, and it's worked. It's, it's like, why did that take a month? On a similar note, why did it take a month to put Tavon Austin back in the backfield again like they did last year, and he had a lot of success? They did that last week, and he looked good against the can Bills. I, can I answer the question? Uh, Jeff Fish is the head coach, and the offensive coordinator is like a future tight ends coach in the uh, CFL. 
I think they're oh. gonna get. I, I, I think they're gonna get rampaged in this game. Detroit. Wow. Before Philadelphia. They're gonna lock it up, bro. The Rams no. are gonna get rampaged. I got another lock, but oh. I think this is a this is a bad matchup for the Rams. And I know that Amir Abdullah is not in the lineup, but Detroit in the first half against Philly, there was a lot going on. And I the question is, if Theo Riddick is not playing, that's a big part of their offense um, that they don't have. But it sounds like he'll play. Eric Ebron might be out. Matthew Stafford's playing great. He He's is a top ten quarterback this year. But if he doesn't have Ebron and Riddick, Haloti Nada's out. They're missing a lot of players. This Lions team. They're, I think this Rams offense. This is just a total kind of mirage. I don't. This is. It's going to come back to haunt them, this, this whole operation. And before, maybe not against the Lions defense though. Before, yeah. If put it this way, if the Lions defense struggles in this game, you know how bad they are. Here are some just basic uh, rankings for the LA offense. Last in total. Tied for last in scoring, 28th in rushing, 30th in passing, 28th in a red zone percentage. Yikes. That is gnarly. To offensive line is holding that team hostage. And they put so much into the offensive line. That's what. That's the problem. Uh, let's move on. Let's talk about uh, a game between the Pittsburgh Steelers and Miami Dolphins, two teams going in opposite directions. The Steelers have put that ugly Eagles loss behind them with a couple of uh, fairly dominant efforts. Um against the Bengals and Jets and the Dolphins, as Wes alluded to, they stink. <laughs> they stink. And I know Handsome Hank is always giving me a hard time. Oh, you're too hard on the Dolphins. You know, take it easy on them. You know, I was down on them this summer, and I'm even more down on them now because they, they seem like, to me, Wes, and tell me if I'm wrong, one of the most lost franchises out there right now. They're a mess. They're a hot mess. And the effort level is what bothered me, mm-hmm. not just with the players, the coaching staff sticking Billy Turner at left tackle. I know they were desperate. I know that Brandon Albert lost 12 pounds because he was sick. Laramie Tunsil was out because he slipped in the shower. So they stick Billy Turner out there at a position he's never played and ask him to block Brian Arakbo coming off the edge when the Titans know the Dolphins have to pass because it's the fourth quarter and they're down. And they let him out there for two straight plays with Arakpo sacking him. He had zero chance of stopping Arakpo, and it wasn't until a drive later, like, maybe we should offer a little chip block for this guy. He needs it. The loss to the Bengals and then the loss to the Titans is the worst two-game stretch by any team this season. They're the worst team in the league. I There's don't think no hardly, they're not playing together. They, they're not a team. It's a hardly controversial statement because they would be the only winless team in the league if Cody Parkey had hit a field goal. I mean, this has not been competitive. This has been worse than any five game stretch in the Joe Philbin era. It doesn't mean that's Adam, saying something. It doesn't mean that Adam Gase can't turn it around, but right now they're worse than they ever were under Joe and, Philbin. And here's to to the effort issues potentially, and this is going to be a stunner to everyone. Mario Williams being questioned, the defensive <laughs> coordinator Vance Joseph told ESPN this week he's got to play harder. He's got to play better. Uh, obviously he's being allowed to rush the passer, but the games we've been in, it's been more run first, pass second game. So for us to be a great rushing team, we have to earn the right if they want to rush more, stop the run more consistently. Mario Williams not playing hard? That's a symptom of a larger problem. This is a mercenary team, and it has been for a while. Mm. You you go out and you buy players. Good teams, they develop, and one of the benefits of developing players is the natural camaraderie. And you're close to these guys. You want to win for each other because you're a team. Right. The Dolphins on a team. They're mercenaries. Those those guys that got cut this week that were starting on the offensive line. They were drafted two GMs ago. It's by different GM. Two different GMs. Two like a coach. Three offensive coordinators ago. That it's a mess. And then you got the Steelers coming in. I mean, good luck. This is gonna be 
a Le'Veon Bell game, you would think if there ever was one, catching balls out of the backfield, you just got, going up and down the field, like over under 200 yards from scrimmage for Lev Bell. You gotta wonder what's going on in Gloria Stefan's office. Mm. You know, some of the <laughs> you think she has an making, offense. You know, yeah. Serena Williams comes in and yeah. Stefan and Mark Anthony, and they all put their heads together. They're still trying to turn the beat around. Just, oh, no. You know? Well, that's why you give Gase more time, though, because it's clearly he's arrived to something you couldn't just patch wow. up. Wow, turn the beat go. around, ref. <laughs> Gloria Stefan uh, cover of the uh, in the mid-90s. I almost went with turn the cheese around, which oh. is what I always thought. Mark, about. sorry, sometimes you just can't, you know. Uh, you know what? Good luck getting a sentence out in the show. <laughs> Should we go on to our sponsor? I, I was going to say, I just want to say, what happened to Laramie Tunzel? He slipped, he slipped in the shower. In the shower. <laughs> All right, why don't you go? That's on? his story. And now a word from our sponsor. Ever found yourself sitting around your boring house wondering what new landscapes might be out there to spice up your hyper-dull existence? Maybe you sit up late at night thinking about your world and wondering, wait, am I a Keynesian devotee? Do I find myself hovering toward Keynesian areas of economic thought? Do I fundamentally believe that aggregate demand is influenced by a host of economic decisions, both public and private, and therefore sometimes behaves erratically? Do you find yourself furious in the hallway when you hear two hobby horse economics heads killing the Keynesian paradigm for its potential flaws in the area of permanent income hypothesis? Who do these two think they are? After all, according to Keynesian theory, changes in aggregate demand, whether anticipated or unanticipated, have their greatest short-run effect on real output and employment. Not on prices! Stop toying around with your life. Sign up for Mike Flame's high school economics class in The Hague, the Netherlands. Go to www.flameclass.com today. I mean, he can't say I, he sent some sandwiches, some sandwiches, and you know, some nice things to us. But it, it's been every worth every dime for him, I would think. He's going hiking right now. He said for I think the whole week. Scotland. Yeah, sent us a map of where he is in case he gets lost and his cell number. I like how often he's kept in touch now that we have this business relationship. He's in regular contact. I like it with us. It's great. We're it's been a in. gift. It is a gift. Let's move on and talk about the Cincinnati Bengals, two and three. And it doesn't get any easier now. You want to talk about a team that needed to, you know, do a little better in the early portion of their schedule. Uh, two wins in their first five games, and now they got to go to New England in what is Tom Brady's homecoming, um, his first game uh, since the end of his suspension in Gillette Stadium, uh, where he is almost unbeatable. If you look at the uh, the stats, I'm, I'm now. Uh, forgetting what it was, but it was something insane. Where it, what his home record has been? Uh, I think you told me forty and six since uh, something in that range, something insane like that. So now uh, Cincinnati, w- they looked really ineffective against Dallas in a twenty-eight fourteen loss. Greg, do they stand a chance against all this firepower in New England? I respect the Bengals enough over the last five years to say that they stand a chance that that it wouldn't that they have a a modicum of hope to go in there. But there's nothing that they've shown on the field this year to make you think that they'd be competitive in this game in the fourth quarter. And there's nothing that we saw out of the Patriots, really, for this whole season, except for one one bad game. 
that would say they'd let him in there. I mean, this is a Bengals offense that allowed four sacks to the Cowboys, that allowed the Cowboys pass rush to get all over Andy Dalton. Terrell McClain was in the backfield all game. That can't run the ball at all. I mean, when was the last time they ran the ball? It was about week eight or nine last year when Andy Dalton was still healthy because they didn't run the ball at all down the stretch. Hill and Bernard are both under four yards per carry. It's just not the it's not the same group. The right tackle, Cedric Abouye. Abouye. Who they drafted in the first round a couple of years ago has been a liability. He's been a downgrade from Andre Smith, which is pretty telling. I think they showed no identity on offense against Dallas. Cincinnati, under Hugh Jackson, when he was running the show there, and even before that, they want to run the ball, and they did a good job of it. And you've seen that translate where Hugh's gone next in Cleveland, but it's not the case in Cincinnati. They, they had no rhythm. They couldn't get their running game going in the entire first half. Dallas ate them up. You look at this schedule that they played. They nipped a Jets team. They got decisively beaten by the Steelers, the Broncos, right. and the Cowboys. They're, they're, the Broncos game was close until about eight, nine minutes left, but otherwise they're getting distri- you know, they're getting decisively beaten, as you said. It's not like a Bengals team that's had bad luck or anything. I got a message Ooh. for all the people who look at Tom Brady's opponent, the Cleveland Browns, last week and say, Oh yeah, anybody can do that against the Browns. No. Here's a message for you. Tom Brady has father time in the corner of the ring, mm. beating him to a pulp <laughs> oh, he's going in the down. 14th round, uh, and father time done. is nope. on the ropes. Oh. Tom Brady, every year you watch this guy, he gets more nimble. His arm gets stronger. It's stronger. He gets better. Whatever program that goofy guy's got him working on with the with the rubber bands is his Oh, weights. yeah. It's the it's diet, working. baby. It's Get the me diet. some of that rubber band. It's the diet. It's the non-weight training. He doesn't look like Brady Quinn looking like a WWF wrestler. He's got, he, he doesn't lift weights. He eats a perfect diet. <laughs> Come on. Get on the train, Dan. Pey- Peyton Manning has all these surgeries. Why? His arm falls apart. Yeah. Tom Brady's never had elbow or shoulder problems. Mm. His arm's strong. His legs are Preach. strong. He is the best 39-year-old quarterback in NFL history, Dan Hansen. I decide to side with science, which typically works out. Thank you. <laughs> That's supposed to mean. Yeah, that doesn't mean that he won't play the 45, though. That he could have a good year. You guys get in your church pews, and you pray that the the beautiful Tom Brady never gets old. Oh, Reverend Wesseling just had quite I, a sermon. I will just hang out <laughs> with the scientists, the true scientists. Scientists got their nose in the books, not watching the game film. <laughs> well, here's a, here's one problem. Get ready. With, yeah, with I'm going to go nuts about him shredding the Cleveland Browns. Was, it's not. It's let's not calm the down with that. It's the traits he showed. It's sure. Let's wait until there's a pass rush coming at him, and and all of a sudden he can't move like he used to. He's getting old, and you know what? He ain't going to fall off a cliff because I know you want to bury me when he has a a passer rating that's still around 100. Hashtag slight regression. <laughs> Off the cliff next year. Those what? are the words of a scared little boy. Wow. You are scared of and, Tom Brady. And you should be scared nope. this week. The Bengals, if you think about the Bengals, what are the Bengals bad at? It's that linebacker group. Ray Maluga and Perfect, and they're just playing awful. It's going to be tough to match up with these tight ends and the Edelman and the running backs all over the middle of the field messing up those you linebacker would be the guys, heads. By the way, you would be the guys that were burning women at the stakes during the same which That Salem is a wild trials. charge on your part. <laughs> there is no parallel. I, w- I am with the insane. educated saying, why is that oh, happening? Oh, you're the intellect in this. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm looking at you guys thinking to myself, tisk tisk. 
Why aren't Wait, they? How, I always think yes. Science. Yes. How yeah, have you no, gone okay. from the guy who got a 39 on a state mandated math test and it was okay to bring up a B minus to now you're on the side of intellect? Because I I am who I am. He's a feminist too. He I don't, been, all right, how about this? I don't try to present myself as something I'm not. I'm just me. You guys can have your little head in the clouds about Tom Brady. All right. It's I getting am tired. With science. <laughs> it's getting tired. How about this? Let's focus on the defense, which shut down the number Science one rushing mark. game last week, and they did nothing against New England. You want to talk about Tom Brady the whole time? That's fine. New England's defense can down, shut mark. down Cincinnati and take them out of this game. It's like this is a complete team, and they're going to the Super Bowl, and we're trying of to make a case are. for the Bengals and saying that Tom Brady's done. I'm not a nonsense. Who Dan's, said he's done? Dan's having a nightmare back, nightmare flashback. You know, hoping that he's not back at the Super Bowl watching all three of us kind of root out. <laughs> Carrying that water up and down the, the hill. Lowest, the lowest moment in the Around the NFL podcast. It was so fun. Wow. I do find it interesting that Chris Wesley and Donald Trump share joined viewpoints on the Deflategate controversy. Mm. Wait, I don't what? even <laughs> Donald Trump has a viewpoint on that? Yes, he does. Oh, yeah. You guys are also carrying the water for the Trump supporter. That's fine. That is a I wonder. A, I feel like I'm on the right side of history with a lot of this stuff we're talking about. You seem secure so let's about move it. Move on. Let's move on. You guys get you know go to your Trump rallies. And <laughs> what are you talking heavens. about? No, no. Trump rally. <laughs> nice try. AMC West down. Showdown time. Let's talk about it. The Kansas City Chiefs two and two traveling to Oakland to face the Raiders, who are four and one. Uh, the Raiders, who keep on finding ways to win. Um, Andy Reid, of course, well-known uh, for his team's uh, succeeding after the bye week, which I think means something. Uh, so now we have a chance for Andy to coach up his team for two weeks to take on the Raiders. What do we think about this one, Greg? I think it's going to tell us a lot about this AFC West. I want to see this Chiefs offense start showing some progress because before the bye, they weren't showing it. I mean, they're throwing the ball 40, 45 times a game. They're in catch-up mode. There's not a lot to be excited about, whereas you look at your Oakland Raiders, yeah, and there's a lot to be excited about. I mean, Derek Carr, every week, he's a tough guy to, to pin down. What is, what is Derek Carr? Because people compare him to Brett Favre, and I think, He's not Brett. He's not like Brett Favre at all. If anything, he'd rank high on the list of quarterbacks you'd expect to check the ball down on third and fifteen and let his punter go out on the field. He's not taking damn good too punter many, too. Yeah, he's not taking too many chances. It's a nice mix of a guy who knows when to be aggressive, when to be safe. You know what I love about Blackjack Del Rio? He's got that religion. He's got the epiphany. Mm. Touchdowns, not field goals. Yeah, touchdowns, not field goals. You don't win games with field goals in the NFL in the 21st century. And Blackjack Del Rio, this isn't new. If you remember when he was with the Jaguars, people thought he was a conservative coach. He went for and made fourth downs better than anyone because he had the best short yardage weapon in the league, NFL Now's Maurice Jones-Drew. <laughs> He's been doing this for a long time. So MJD was – the NFL Now version of MJD traveled back in time? He was a little more svelte back then. <laughs> oh. Okay, so that that era. Gotcha. I think the Raiders deserve credit for all offseason talking about the running back issue is something that needed to be addressed. And I'm not saying that they've found, you know, a, a fleet of all-stars, but you look at DeAndre Washington and Jalen Richard, and I think that they've got a diverse backfield now along with Latavius Murray, and they can do more on the ground. And they're a very balanced offense. They're hard to take down. You look at their schedule coming up after – after what's coming up, they have they have a chance to make some make some dough here. Do you like their offense better 
with DeAndre Washington and Jalen Richard on the field and Latavius Murray not anywhere. Yes, involved. I do. Absolutely. Because I think they the two of them are harder for defenses to deal with than just Latavius Murray. I don't know. I'm trying to figure out who I can comp- I love Jalen Richard. I love watching He's great. Him play though. His movement's just incredible. And those guys are being used together. It, it's not one's ahead of the other. I don't know who to compare DeAndre Washington to. They're fun to watch, though. Yeah. I mean, it's it, like a poor man's Amir Abdullah. Hmm. Little it could. I would think he could be a little more physical, but yeah. I'll be. I'll be interested to see how much Jamal Charles we see in this game, and if the Chargers or if the Chiefs are going to have some issues working him back into their offense. Well, he says time away. He says he's 110 percent, and his speed has never left. So it sounds like he's confident that he's the same player he was. I mean, it'd be great. I mean, this is a, a tough division. This is a big game for the Chiefs. If you're if you're two and three, and you're potentially looking up at the you're looking up at the Raiders are now going to be five and one, uh, with some good wins. Who knows with the Broncos? You know, they they got to start they got to start looking a little and more the, like the Chiefs team we expected. Yeah, and the Raiders after this have the Jaguars and then the Buccaneers. Then they face the Broncos. That could be a fascinating game three weeks from now. Let's pick this one. Ooh, I like Mark. It. I'll go Oakland. I don't see what not to like here. I think that they they're listen. We we came very close to making them team of ATL for the for good reasons, and those don't go away because we didn't pick them. They're they're in this. They believe in themselves. We talked about team building. Why the Dolphins aren't that way? Why the why the Raiders are? I think they really believe in themselves, and this 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 will meet out in a win. I think these two teams are much closer than their records would suggest. I'm picking the Chiefs because Andy Reid, one of the best coaches of the 21st century, is the bye week master. He comes out of bye weeks and beats the crap out mm. of people. Yeah. I, I'm i going to pick the Raiders out of loyalty to them right now, but I really think this is a dangerous game, and I would not be surprised in the least if the Chiefs Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think the the way the Raiders have been vulnerable have been to the, the big passes. They're a boomer bust offense. I don't know if the Chiefs aren't really the team to pull that off. If this were in Kansas City, I would wonder if it would be Chiefs all the way around, yeah. but it's in Oakland. All right, let's move on. And, uh, an NFC, big NFC game, a showdown here, 425 Fox game. So what are you going to get? You're going to get your Joe Buck. Oh, yeah. You're going to get your Troy Aikman. Although, you know what? Joe Buck. MLB playoffs. Baseball, it's confusing. Is he going to be close Maybe. enough? Who knows? Maybe not. Downstairs, you can have Aaron Andrews. Who knows t- how to ask the right questions. What? Uh, the Falcons are 4-1, and one, just went to Denver and beat the Broncos, the defending champions. Uh, really, the game, if you weren't kind of in on him uh, before that, now a lot of people are. And now here is, uh, dare I say, an even bigger test, or at least right in that same ballpark, a trip to the link to face the Seattle Seahawks, 3-1 and one, coming off a bye. And, you know, Russell Wilson, last time we saw him, he was absolutely shredding a terrible Jets secondary. Um, I don't think we'll have that much of an easy time in this game. But at the same time, Wes, if he could do that when he was all banged up two weeks later, he's he's going to be Russell Wilson still, you think? Yeah, this is an intriguing matchup, the battle, the, the uh, Dan Quinn revenge game, his return to Seattle. Mm. But you've got – I look at, like, the intriguing part is the other way around. The Falcons offense, they have beaten in consecutive weeks both Super Bowl teams from last year. Now they have a chance to beat the Super Bowl team from the year before – and you can look at it like this, too. They could become the first team that the NFL research department knows about that beat the previous year's leader in takeaways, the Panthers, total defense, the Broncos, and scoring defense, the Seahawks, in three consecutive weeks, which would be astonishing. Mm. It, it, is an, it is an incredible matchup. I mean, this, this Seahawks defense, it's like we know it's good, but I don't think people – 
I don't know if we quite appreciate that. It's probably the best defense of our lifetime in terms of over a four-year span. I mean, there's no team that's ever led the league in scoring defense four straight years, or not since the 1950s, and it's the same group of guys year after year. They're so tough to run against, which makes this such a fascinating matchup when it's the Falcons. I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Well, it's the same personnel. Right. Yeah. You've got guys you, – you hear about Richard Sherman and Earl Thomas and Michael Bennett. Bobby Wagner's having a great year. K.J. Wright, you talk about the Falcons running backs picking on the Broncos linebackers. K.J. Wright, one of the best coverage linebackers in the NFL. They probably match up a lot better than the Broncos do. Oh, absolutely. I, to me, this the Broncos are great. They're a great defense. You can't take any – away from how dominant they were. The Panthers certainly would realize. To me, that the Seahawks are always going to be the best until proven otherwise, especially the way they've come out. And they're always adding new little wrinkles, like Frank Clark uh, being very good on third down. Deshaun Shedd's playing well this year. Yeah, I mean, it's in Seattle, and that's a huge issue, I think, for the Falcons. But I give Dan Quinn high marks also on defense because this is not an uber-talented defense, not the way Seattle is. They have been extremely shorthanded at linebacker. And you look at last week, looked at next-gen stats, they played with one or two linebackers on 61 out of 63 plays. Mm. That's hard to do. And they, what I think. They were the, banged up, too. They were, well, that's why they had to do it, which I'm saying he did a good job yeah. of effectively getting around that. They put pressure on Denver, took advantage of what that right tackle hole in Denver. And I think that was the one of the that first game this season where the Broncos' offense had zero identity. They stripped the Broncos of any sense of identity. So it'll be interesting to see. It's going to be know, a different story against Russell right. Wilson, Absolutely. Jimmy Graham, and Absolutely. reborn misfit Kristen Mike. But he inherited a terrible defense. And you look at you look at down at Gus Bradley in Jacksonville. Dan Quinn is getting there more quickly than the Jaguars have. The Falcons have. are for real. I they think are, so too. They're a playoff team. But, and no no team in history with, a Falcons, with an offense this good through five weeks has ever missed the playoffs. But they could lose this game. 31 to 14, wouldn't and I wouldn't be surprised. And it wouldn't take away from what they've done. You know, I you agree. go on the road two straight weeks to the Broncos and the Seahawks, yeah. like, it, it, could, it be, could happen. It could have a sticker. Yeah. Uh, how dominant has Matt Ryan been? He is first in passing yards per game, 348. First in yards per attempt, 10.4. Maron, 12 touchdowns, second in the league, and a passer rating of 121.6. Uh, so Ryan is shredding every opponent out there. Can I say one thing? Because I think it's one reason that Matt Ryan, this is part of it, that line has been such an issue in Atlanta for years and years. Alex Mack, who thrived in Cleveland, was one of the toughest centers. Has you know sometimes these free agent signings they don't carry over. This was one of the best. People are saying it all over the place, and it, and it makes sense if you watch it. Alex Mack, play after play, is taking care of business, and there's multiple plays a game where he gives Matt Ryan in the pocket that one extra half second to get the pass off, and that helps that offense a ton. Let's pick this game, Mark. Seattle. Again, the Falcons are for real, but Seattle's too good at home. I'm taking the Seahawks. I think the Falcons are the story of the NFL after this game. I think they win again. Wow. I like wow. it. I, like I do it. think the Seahawks will, will win a, a relatively comfortable game. What a Zeuser with the really, hero pick. What a comfortable a matchup. What a great coaching matchup. Carroll and Shanahan might be the two best. What do you think do. by comfortable? Because I think this like could be Like a 30-14 close. to 14 type of game. Okay. I'm in on the Seahawks just being good. I think the Falcons are scoring more than 14 points, even against a great defense. They're that good. Uh, let's move on and talk about uh, another great late game. This one between the Dallas Cowboys, 4-1, and one, uh, heading to Green Bay to face the 3-1 and one Packers. The mm-hmm. Packers um, 
a nice win over the Giants where they look clearly like the better team in that matchup. And the Cowboys are back to the 2014 Cowboys where they run the ball uh, in a dominant fashion. They, they chew up the clock. Uh, their quarterback makes plays uh, when he has to, and they, they are doing it again this year, and that's why they're 4-1 and one right now. However, Mark Sessler, can the Cowboys hang with a real team on the road? What do you think? I would like this better if it were in Dallas, but the matchup is the run game and the offensive line that you just mentioned against a run defense that has not given up more than 50 yards to any team this year. Here's the deal, though. Green, Bay, Green Bay's run defense shows the signs of being completely legit, but they played the Jags, the Vikings, with missing Adrian Peterson for a big part of that game, the Lions, who have nobody, and the Giants. So that's not four premier run defenses. This They will be tested this week out, and that's not the only thing that Dallas does well. Ezekiel Elliott has gotten better every week. We've talked about that every show that we've had featuring the Cowboys. This is... A lot of times they'll say, oh, Cowboys, Green Bay, game of the week. Of course it is. It doesn't matter what the records are. Have a nice time with yourselves. You're gonna, we're going to force you to watch it. But this time around, this game is exciting. I mean, this, this is – Well, yeah. no, because you know what? I have been down on the Cowboys for a long time because they could go 3-13 and 13 and get 18 Sunday night football games, and I don't like that dynamic. That does not feel – Right, that does not feel fair to me at all. This one deserves to be where it is in the late afternoon spot. Great matchup. Here's how fun the Cowboys are to watch. Everybody spends the whole week talking about the quarterback situation, which may not even matter for another month or whatever. But when I look at this team, this it's going to sound like hyperbole, but in the 21st century to watch an offense that could have six future Hall of Famers on it. If you ask 32 GMs in the league hmm. to pick the best tacker, tackle guard and center or the one they would win on their team, I think they're taking Tyron Smith, Zach Martin, and Travis Frederick from the Cowboys. Whoa. Des Bryant needs to stay healthy. He's got a chance for the Hall of Fame. I know it's early. Ezekiel Elliott's special. There's no weakness in his game whatsoever. It's early for the linemen, too, in terms of Hall of Fame. Not that they but, wouldn't have a chance. But, but these, guys are all, these guys are all all-pro talents. And if you're an all-pro talent, you got a chance at the Hall of Fame someday. Jason Witten's Witten going. Witten, too, yeah. Jason Witten's going, so there's six. And what if Romo comes back Romo in a couple seven. more big years? Um, Romo's a he's, he's a, a big if I get it he's I, in the Donovan McNabb category right now I would, put, I would put Romo in you know I I'm 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 interested I'm loving this game I'm I'm annoyed that the two best games of the week are both 425 they should flex one early make that move so you got one great one early one oh by the way late. Cole Beasley is a top five slot receiver this year too mm. Here's I I want to see more though what I was trying, what was I was gonna say? I want to see more out of this Packers team. I'm not excited about this Packers team. I'm kind of okay. bored watching this Packers team. It's We've fair. seen I'm them with a you. lot. We've I'm seen it, and it's the same stuff. And Aaron Rodgers is great, and now he's getting great protection. So that's not an excuse. It's like, ah, let's show me something a little more. I've seen this movie before. I'm excited about the Cowboys. Here's a not major, the Packers. a major problem for the Packers on Sunday in terms of having a balanced attack. Eddie Lacy has an ankle injury. And we're starting to hear some not-so-great things about his availability. James Starks' his backup has a knee injury. He hurt his knee this week. So if they're out, those two guys, or those guys are significantly limited. Uh, once again, you're putting Aaron Rodgers in a tough spot. And he's not automatic anymore. No. Last a uh, year and a half or so. He's not part of the solution right now as far as how to fix this offense. He's part of the problem. His footwork remains spotty. Mm-hmm. He, he likes to throw without setting his feet, which means it's not a surprise when he's last in the NFL in completion percentage. Well, you made a you made a, uh, a a big move on your own personal QB index this week. I don't know if people saw it. Dan, if you saw Chris's Twitter account, mm-hmm. he said 
that Dan's for been the, blocked for the first time in years. <laughs> for the first time in years, Aaron Rodgers would not be the quarterback Chris Wesseling wanted for the next two to three years. Ben Roethlisberger is now that. Ever guy. since that Super Bowl run in 2010, 2011. I thought Aaron Rodgers was the best player in the NFL and the guy I'd want to build around for the next couple of years. I would take Big Ben over Aaron Rodgers right now. Fair enough. Uh, let's move on, guys, and talk about the Indianapolis Colts heading to Houston uh, to take on the Texans. And the Texans could not hang last week against the Vikings, overwhelmed at a 31-13 loss. The Colts, they flirted with disaster. Greg, you said before last week's game that that could be the biggest game in the, or a turning point for the Pagano uh, Grigson era, if they couldn't find a way to win, they just barely did find they a way to beat the Bears. Way. They do. <laughs> they seem to do so. Uh, but uh, here's Andrew Luck now facing the Texans without J.J. Watt. But the problem here, Greg, is that it seems like it doesn't matter who Andrew Luck plays. He's getting tossed around like a rag doll. Yeah, they can't protect him. And, and the Texans have enough good pass rushers to get after teams. Well, Jadavian Clowney's coming off his best game of the season by far. It was mostly in the running game, but he looks good. Whitney Merciless. It's still a good Texans defense, not a great one. Uh, but the, the biggest weak spot in this game is not the Colts defense. You would think Colts defense, Texans offense, you know, going into the year, you would think Houston has the edge. I give the edge to the Colts defense right now. That's how bad Brock Osweiler and this Houston offense is playing. And on the other side, Andrew Luck is playing really well. Yeah. And there's no way I am taking a Brock Osweiler-led offense against an Andrew Luck-led offense. In Houston, though. I, I, know the, I know it's in Houston, but there's no way I'm picking Brock Osweiler to beat Andrew Luck right now. We're looking at the board. This is the third-worst defense in the league and, and tied for the, the second-to-worst offense in terms of yardage. So, All things being good. equal, I, I would agree with you, Wes, but I, I'm going to go with Houston in this game because I think we're going to get something a little freaky, a little Wolf Fuller action, something just to put them over the edge. The Colts are – it is not Andrew Luck's fault on any level, but I, I feel like this – It gets. I'm getting tired of talking about the Colts because it's every week. I don't like the way they're put together. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to press a button that says that every week. They're not fun for me to watch. I don't enjoy the way that they approach games. And Houston, to me, is the better coach team. Bill O'Brien's had some problems this year. That last game was a disaster against the Vikings, but they ran into a buzzsaw. That's a good team they played. They got ripped by the Patriots. That's another great team. That could be your Super Bowl preview right there. The Colts are not one of those teams, and I'm tired of hearing from the top on down that the Colts are a breath away from the playoffs. Give me a break. Whoa, Mark. Well, because that's no one would say it if inside, they inside the building. They Uh-oh. seem to still think that they are that team. I think team. they're going to win that division. But it's I that don't know di- what that means. That division. I, exactly. I don't know what winning the AFC South means. This game I, doesn't do much for me personally. Yeah, I'm with you. Luck being involved always makes it watchable. T.Y. Hilton's off to having a really nice season. I mean, he's putting up numbers. Luck, I think, has consciously dialed it back if you watch him. I think he is really trying to take that step towards being a little more like the Brady Manning types and not take so many. He's more careful. He's more careful, and it's working. That's why you can say he's doing everything that he can do because he's still making some great plays, but he's not taking the You see plenty of quarterbacks – say they're going to do that, and then instinctively they don't, and they're out of the lineup by week four. It's good if Luck can actually make that adjustment. He's always had the kind of ball placement on throws on the run where you just say, you shake your head and say, how many people can do that? But he'd mix a lot of errant throws, and he's not doing as much of that this year. One one thing out of Osweiler I don't like is when he misses throws or things go bad, you know, I hate to be the body language, but he does Where's this, TD when you he need He does this sort of like, oh, I can't believe it, you know, and he like goes over to the sideline kind of we- like, Isolate that audio. No, don't ever do that. <laughs> That's Please. a drop from now until Sydney, the end of you time. And the video. Down. 
We need that. Greg's whole body went limp. He's there. like the opposite of Case Keenum. Case Keenum might be the 35th best quarterback in the league, but man, he's like going crazy. He's like yeah. excited like a kid every time they do something. I think there's probably inside of Osweiler's mind a lot of pressure. I mean, you were the premier free agent signing, and you're watching. He invited that pressure. Yes, he did. And you know what? And he's going home to a house with 27 rooms, so it can't be that right. bad. But <laughs> I'm just say, saying. To quote Liberace, he's laughing all the way to the bank. He is. But there are like five or six rookies that have played in spot time or started this year that look better than him already. Trevor Simeon looks better already. John Elway looks a lot better already. I mean, what else do you need? Let's move on. To Monday Night Football, uh, the New York Jets one in four, the season in tatters, going down in flames. Nothing to be excited about. Uh, travel to Arizona to face the Cardinals, a Cardinals team that uh, did not have uh, their quarterback Carson Palmer uh, last week in a win. Now they get Carson Palmer back, who is uh, he is out of the concussion protocol. Correct? That's correct. That's right. right. So he will be back in action. We want to see how he looks. Now, great matchup for the entire Cardinals uh, passing attack because the Jets have one of the worst secondaries in football, as it's turned out. And we still don't know if Darrell Rivas is playing this week. As in practice. As of this taping, because there's a very good chance we'll, they will be without him again. And uh, one thing I want to say about this, the one thing the Jets have to hold on to defensively is they still stop the run very well. But what Pittsburgh did last week is a blueprint that I'm sure – uh, Bruce Arians and the Cardinals will follow. It's like, okay, if we can't get a running game going, what we'll do is just check it down and throw a bunch of screen passes and find different ways to get the ball in the hands of David Johnson. So don't be surprised, fantasy heads out there, if you're running back, if you have David Johnson has between 80 and 100 yards receiving in this game because they're gonna once the ball gets to these running backs, the Jets just don't have the personnel to stop these guys before they pick up 5 to 20 yards. Don't be surprised also if this is the week that John Brown and Michael Floyd join Larry Fitzgerald and make this the top wide receiver trio again. Because, like you said, the Jets give up. They hemorrhage big plays in the secondary. That's John Brown's forte, getting deep. And Michael Floyd is a big play receiver when he's right. He hasn't been right this year, whether it's mentally or physically or whatever. He hasn't been right. 48 dropbacks for Roethlisberger. One QB hit by the Jets last week. So that... That's a problem. The, the Cardinals have not been able to deal with pressure. I think this is a game where you see Todd Bowles, who's, who's been a little cautious this year because his secondary is bad. Maybe just throw a little caution to the wind and just come after this Cardinals. You've, you've been saying this week you think this is a buzzsaw you know, type of matchup, having to go there on Monday night? I said last week was. This one, uh, okay. not necessarily. I mean, I got to see it. I got to see it out of the Cardinals before I, I think yeah, that they're I'm anything that but a, uh, an average team. They ha- they they absolutely should be better they, than that, but they, they got to show it. They haven't put it all together. They've put signs. They've yeah. got, Who's got a better bookend edge rushing tandem right now than Marcus Golden and Chandler Jones? Their secondary has the pieces. They haven't done it yet. And then on offense, I think the pieces are there too. You just got to get Carson Palmer healthy and everybody on the same page. And I think... I think I do think this is a bit of a sleeping giant. The pieces are there for the Cardinals. It might be if they ever lost this game, they are I would wonder what happens to them. I think it might be over because you've got Seattle next week if you're the Cardinals. You got to go to Carolina, not a great team, but that's that's a tough matchup for the Cardinals the way in their current state. Then after the bye, 2 weeks later you got the Vikings. Mm. You got a rough stretch. This is cool. We're going to find out what the Cardinals are. And on the Jets side, the loss of Eric Decker, he got sent to IR. He's having shoulder surgery, and he's probably done for the year. We all knew it would be a big loss if he was gone, but it really is magnified when you're actually in the middle of watching these games and the Jets get to the red zone, 
And Brandon Marshall is a stud down the red zone, but they have no one else to go to. And Decker, that was his specialty. He was a lock for them last year for, you know, 75 and a touch almost every week. And they simply don't have the bodies. I know people got excited about Quincy Inunua earlier in their season, as did I, but he has not been able to pick up the slack, and they don't have much behind him. So a huge loss of Eric Decker. I mean, this is just a bad situation for the Jets. I think it will be competitive, though. I just get a feeling this game goes into the fourth quarter, and it's a tight game, uh, but I can't say that I see the Jets coming out of there, it. There are people out there now picking on the way the Jets have been put together and built, that they're old, that they've got this defensive line, this stash of defensive linemen, but outside of it, they're an aging team with a lot of stopgap type players. And if you look at it, it's not a crazy thing to say. Are you, does it concern you that maybe the whole GM group on down is going to have to take a step back and rebuild this team big time? you got a this, old players in this I building. think it comes down to this for me is the Revis situation with him. Get, I think that affected the entire team. The, the mindset of the team, the yeah. swagger of the team, and most importantly, from a personnel standpoint – you thought you had a guy who was still, even if he wasn't number one, he was like top ten, and you could that guy you don't have to worry about. Once he became a liability and now he got hurt, everything hit the fan. And I don't think they've recovered from that as a team. I think that's been a big reason why their secondary has been so bad because him all of a sudden becoming mortal, I don't think Todd Bowles was prepared for that. Hard to the adjust fan to base that. wasn't prepared for that. That was a stunning setback for the franchise. Matt Forte. Fun being a Jets fan. We heard Gary Kubiak talk about getting Devontae Booker more involved because he has fresh legs. Matt Forte's got the opposite of fresh legs right now. Yeah. He's, Shouldn't they have known He's that? a lot like Gore. who's my, They're like my two favorite guys from the last like – Well, they're, Forte's they're, playing through injuries. They, they're defense. good as role players, but they don't have the juice. They don't have the burst right now. Powell should be more involved be, in the offense. Powell's look better the whole way. He's a good guy out of the backfield. He's become their receiving back, but they should have more of a – not an even load, but maybe, you know, 65-35. All right. That's it. Uh, we will be back on Sunday. Uh, that's the next time you'll hear from us. All the games that we just talked about, we will recap. Uh, and we're going to do it with a touch of mirth. I like when we do that. Hey, so Jabron over on the Twitter bomb. Jesus Listen to me. Listen to me going after this guy. It's a little a little too much at this point. It might be. Took it personally. It's a little petty. But <laughs> I like it. There's going to be some mirth. But there's also going to be a lot of football goodness. Let's get out of here. This is Dan Hansis signing off. Four. The Quiet Storm, the mailman, the boss, and La Cid behind the glass, and a great job behind the glass by the whole crew. You guys are great. Till Sunday. Remember that show V where like the lady has a baby and then it's an alien baby and like that's it's the end of the season and it's like such a nice moment. E? Yeah, she picks up the baby and the doctor and everyone's like, oh, it's a cute baby. And then like just seconds before the season, like the, the credits hit, like this huge lizard tongue shoots out of the baby and licks the mom in the face. She's like, ah. Yeah, we're ready. Oh. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. 
Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.